Good morning, everyone. The aim today is to connect us with the historic Jesus. Before I get into my message, can I just underline that next week is our children's week, and there will just be one service at 10.30. Please get that out, because you know people are likely to turn up at different, different times. Just one service, so that the children can do their presentation just the once, rather than having to repeat it. So 10.30 is our time. There will just be the one service uh, on the Sunday morning. So, it's, uh, it's nearly Christmas time, and uh, Irene's been busy, of course, putting up decorations and wanting to be the first, and um, it took quite a while, I have to say, uh, over Saturday to get things correct. But um, it's good because, actually, as we come to celebrate Christmas, I think it is right that a lot of attention, a lot of joy, a lot of lights uh, tell us that this, this time is very important. And we do know that it's been kind of hijacked in many ways, but it is a Christian fellowship celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at the royal road. And our title today is Messiah Positioned. I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, and what I want us to think about today is that it's as though God positioned everything in terms of time and place. The location was very important. God timed it all, positioning uh, the Messiah Jesus to be brought at the right time in history. The Bible says in the fullness of time, Jesus came. At the right time, Jesus came. So when we think of the Christmas story, don't think that this was just a random event. I want to show us that this was the culmination of something wonderful historically, and it points back, but also there's something about our destiny being expressed uh, as we look at Bethlehem together. So the journey under God's guidance begins for Jesus. The royal road actually, as far as uh, Jesus being born is concerned, the royal road begins in a royal city. You know, once in royal David city, actually really a town, a little town of Bethlehem. This is the start of the journey we're going to take together. We're going to go to four places in our little series. Uh, we start with Bethlehem, and then there's Egypt, Nazareth, and the culmination of the life and ministry of Jesus actually is pointing towards the, the great city, the holy city of Jerusalem. So it's just a short series, but we're going to visit those four places together, and today we're going to look at Bethlehem. So it seems as though God positions everything in order that the Messiah is born. And the journey begins in this little place called Bethlehem. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2. And I want you to notice that God is sovereign in this situation. You'll know that there is a royal decree that people had to go to their hometown in order uh, that they follow through on the census and they all sign up. I can imagine for Joseph and Mary, this would have been in the natural, absolutely the wrong time to do it. And yet in God's sovereignty, 
the right time, the right place is part of God's solution for the salvation of the whole of earth. It's funny, isn't it, that sometimes when we're on a natural way of thinking, we don't always see the bigger picture. Sometimes with the disruptions that come into our lives, we, we kind of don't always understand that over and above is a, an arching will of God for our lives. How many of us know that God is for us today and he is designing things in his earth that his will might be accomplished? And uh, if we just look at natural events, we don't always see that. And that's why when we look back in history, we can sometimes see the providential hand of God in history. If you'd asked people when events were taking place, they wouldn't have seen it. If you'd asked um, Joseph and Mary about the inconvenience of having to make the long trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem at that important time, they might not have seen it. But when you read the scriptures, you'll find that it was in very, very important that that trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem had to be made because the start of that royal road had to be the royal city of uh, Bethlehem, and I'll, I want to show you why. So let's read Luke chapter 2, just a few verses together, reading from verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So... Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, of course, for many, a familiar story, and the problem with familiar stories is we don't always grasp what's going on. But I believe here there's a sovereign plan of God that is working here, in order that Jesus in the fullness of time, at the right time, comes to that little town, everything is planned, everything is purposed, it's all under God's sovereign plan. And so what I want us to do uh, together is just look at two points uh, to today, and I want us to think of this royal road. And the first thing I want us to look at is the road behind, the road behind. Uh, here, if you like, in the center is this day when Jesus is born in Bethlehem. But there's a whole road that goes way back through the centuries. And actually, I want to show you, it goes right back to the foundations of the earth. There's a royal road that's been prepared way before Jesus actually steps onto the planet there's this royal road that goes right back through history, uh, right back to the, uh, to the foundations of the world. It's interesting, I never saw this when I was a, a young boy looking through the narrative with regard to the nativity. If you go to the Gospels, the story unfolds, but there are two quite complex things that you will find both in Luke and in Matthew and they are to do with genealogies. 
genealogies. Two things are very important for us to understand today. The house of David and the line or lineage of David. Those two things are very important. Jesus is brought into the house of David, but he's of the line and lineage of David. That's very important to understand. And therefore, Luke's gospel gives us a genealogy. It's kind of the road behind, if you like. Matthew's gospel also gives us a genealogy, and... um, We're not going to study in great detail, but I'd like these genealogies just to be put up here, which are fascinating, because what you find in Luke chapter three, there's a genealogy which runs back from Joseph, and the Bible's interesting here, it says, who was thought to be the father of Jesus. We know we believe in the virgin birth. So here we have Joseph and his lineage, his line. And so that line in Luke 3 of the genealogy runs back from Joseph, and you'll notice that it goes back through King David. This is the line of David, and actually this one goes right back to Adam, doesn't it? Now, for those that are saying, I thought there'd be a few more names in the genealogy that gets us all the way from Joseph to Adam, You do need to know that in Jewish genealogies, it didn't mean that every name was mentioned, but there were specific names that were mentioned to give the genealogy or the line. What we're talking about now is the royal road that goes back from that moment in time of Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem, goes right back through history, through the generations, and right the way back to the first man that's ever been born, Adam. It's fascinating because I believe this is plan A for the salvation of mankind was actually in the heart of God before anything existed so that right the way through that line of genealogy, There is the waiting period. The prophets are waiting, looking for the Messiah to come. The prophets are looking all the way down that road. And eventually at the right time, Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, is born. Don't you find that really, really exciting? So the genealogies are not just there for fun. They're actually there to teach us something. So the Luke genealogy runs back from Joseph who was thought to be the father of Jesus through David and right back to Adam. So that's the Luke one. If we could put it back on, you've got the Adam picture. And in the picture from Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 1, has a different genealogy. And it's worth studying this when you get back. The different genealogy in Matthew's gospel actually begins with Abraham, the father of faith, and it moves through the generations till it eventually comes to Joseph. So Luke starts with, are you with me? Luke starts with Joseph and works backwards. Matthew starts with Abraham and moves forwards. So you've got genealogies, it's, it's, you, you have to work that through. When you get back, Luke chapter three and Matthew chapter one, just look through the genealogies and why are they there, I hear you ask. And the reason they are there is because the gospel writers need us to know 
This is to do with the historic Jesus, the planned purposes of God from before the foundations of the earth, way back to Adam, way back to Abraham. And during that road, you can see the prophets lining up and say, he's coming, he's coming, he's on the way. The light will dawn. God is gonna come. Emmanuel is going to be with us. The prophets speak it, the prophets speak it down that royal road. And so I believe that they're placed there in order that you and I know the historic Jesus was not just randomly coming into this earth, but was the preordained savior of the world who was going to destroy the powers of sin and death and hell and bring victory and life and order into our chaotic uh, world. So Matthew chapter one, if you go back to that, that genealogy, there's a little bit more uh, what I think is interesting information. After the genealogy, Matthew uh, 1, in verse 17, it says this. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon. You'll have heard me talk a lot about Daniel and Babylon and so on. That was an important season in the life of Israel. So there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile in Babylon to the coming of the Christ. Why does Matthew make that so clear? He wants us to know that as the generations are passing, God's purposes are being worked out. You see, he takes us to the exile period where the purposes of God were being worked out. In both genealogies, in Matthew and in Luke, you will find that right at the heart of that, the generations go through a particular king. His name, of course, is King David. Just to highlight even more, every time there is anything about the birth of Jesus, you will find it's all earthed right back into history. I've illustrated that from Luke and Matthew, but the other account that you'll find something of the early coming of Christ is John chapter one. How many of us could quote verse one? In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You, you remember learning that, Paul. Right in the beginning. Why is that there? Matthew's declaring the purposes of God were being worked out right at the beginning of the days of Adam. Another gospel is saying it's being worked out predominantly from Abraham onwards because Abraham is the man of faith. But John is saying in the beginning was the word. I'm excited by this folks because there's a whole world out there that doesn't know this that actually Jesus' coming is one of the most vital, fundamental issues that has ever happened. And yet for so many people, they may sing a carol, but there's no real understanding that this is God's purposes being worked out to save mankind from sin and death and hell and judgment 
and heralding in a new day of liberty, freedom, and joy as people can find faith. No wonder that early Christmas day was filled with joy and angels and rejoicing. And that's why we do Christmas as big as we can in this place. And uh, we want to celebrate it. So I put it to you that the, the promises of the royal road, right, I'm stood in the middle here. This is Bethlehem, right? The road behind goes right the way back to Adam, then right the way back to Abraham, right the way through the reign of King David and comes to the present day as Jesus is brought into Bethlehem. Everybody with me so far? I'm doing my best. The prophets are all declaring he's on the way. But also the prophets are telling us where this is going to take place. And so in Micah and chapter 5 and verse 2, the ancient prophecy was this. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. That could be translated or days of eternity. Micah's declared Bethlehem's the place, and in Bethlehem a ruler's going to come. Now, if you go through the genealogies, you'll find that Bethlehem's appeared uh, in the past. So halfway through those genealogies, you'll find a man called Boaz and a lady called Ruth. And in the genealogy of Jesus, you will find that actually, you know, through Joseph and through Mary, you'll find that, that Ruth and Boaz are in the picture. And then Boaz to Obed, Obed to Jesse, and Jesse is the father of who? David. So what's going on here? Well, the story of Boaz and Ruth takes place in the little place called Bethlehem. I've had uh, the privilege of going to Israel a number of times now. and One of the things that, that is so exciting is to stand in shepherd's fields and there are signs there, shepherd's fields. So I'm there, shepherd's fields. But to the left is another sign, Boaz field. Don't you think it's fan, fan, dabby, dozy, fantastic that Boaz and Ruth were in the same place on the royal road on the occasion of the redemption that's taking place? Smile at me, guys. Something amazing in Boaz and Ruth, and then King David is born. Where's King David Where's King David when he's with his sheep? Bethlehem. Where's Boaz and Ruth? Bethlehem. A ruler's coming out of Bethlehem. Well, according to the Jewish people, who was the big ruler that was going to come out of Bethlehem? He's in the fields while all the boys are being lined up by their father Jesse. And Samuel comes in. And he's going to anoint someone for the task of ruler or king. 
So he comes to the first, he thinks this must be the, the boy. God says no, comes to the second, no. Is there another boy? Oh, there's just David who's out in the fields. Go and fetch him. And then a great amount of oil is poured on this young guy's head because out of Bethlehem is going to come a ruler whose name is David, King David. Okay, don't go ahead of me. That's coming next. So the royal road, there's a road behind. It goes right back to eternity, to the ancient of days. Goes right back to Adam. It goes right back to Abraham, it goes through the lineage of Boaz and Ruth, Obed to King David. It actually goes right the way through generations to David, to the exile, and eventually it comes to this little place called Bethlehem. So the road behind, that's my first point. The second point is this, the road ahead. So I'll try and picture this. That's the road behind. But there's a road ahead. We're going to talk about the little event that took place in Bethlehem, which was a, a world-changing event. But the implications of what happened in that little stable in Bethlehem are cosmic. It was under God's radar. The first people to see it were just shepherds who usually weren't able to give an account in court because they weren't trusted. And I believe that the countryside was lit up with angels that declared that moment, but most people missed it. Most people missed it on the day, and most people miss it today. That's why the gospel needs sharing. That's why every one of us needs to be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the best news that any man, woman, boy, or girl could ever have. So, though this episode in Luke 2 is rooted in history, it points forward in a way that will affect our destiny. This road goes back into history. The road forward goes forward into destiny. Destiny for you and for me. Now, that's a destiny actually for the whole of humanity should they receive the Savior. The name Bethlehem, as you know, means house of bread. And later in his life, Jesus is to declare himself as the bread of life. And we feed on him by faith and we can know him. Jesus is born to bring us hope and liberty and life. He came to save the world, the savior of the world. It's also important for us to understand that Jesus was of the line of David and the house of David. Because as you go through the Old Testament, you'll find all kinds of prophecies appointing to one who will reign forever. And this is important because uh, the prophets are littered with all kinds of comments about the one who is coming and the one who will reign. Some of those uh, prophecies and psalms speak of one who has an earthly reign for a period of time. His name was David. But we're talking of one greater than David today. We are talking of the son of David. He's of the house of David. He's in the royal lineage of David, but he is greater than David. And Jesus as the Messiah 
all the promises of the Old Testament that point to ruling, some apply to David, but they then apply and push over into being declarations of this one who was to be born, Jesus. So let me read one or two of them. Promises given to David regarding a king who would rule forever. You remember when God spoke to David and his heart was for ruling and God said there will be one on the throne, on your throne, who will rule forever. We know that that was not fully realized in Solomon. Solomon came, his reign was good for a period, then it deteriorated. Now this was not speaking of Solomon or an earthly reign, This was speaking of the one who would come from the line of David, whose name is Jesus. He is the one that will pick up all the prophetic promises of the Old Testament and will be the one who will lead and rule uh, on the earth. Here's a few verses. Psalm 45 verse 6 says this, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of of your kingdom. Psalm 89 verse 4, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Psalm 132 verse 11 says, the Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. Just go back for a minute or two to that prophecy in, uh, in the Old Testament in Micah. These were the prophetic words, weren't they, that were shared with the Magi when they came on the scene. They were looking, where's the, where's the child who's to rule? Where he's go- where's he going to come? And they find this, this verse that we've mentioned in Micah 5, verse 2. It says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Listen, for out of you will come a ruler. Now, when that was given to the Magi, you know, the days of David were past. And now the prophecy is, where's this child going to be born? Micah says, the child is to be born in Bethlehem. Why was Herod so miffed? because now his throne was being challenged by the Messiah who was under the line of David, who the promises of God were on his life from before the foundations of the earth. Jesus was gonna pick up that mantle and the gold speaks of a king who's going to reign forever and forever. And so in Micah 5, out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. This is the Messiah being positioned. And on that day, 2,000 years ago, a baby boy was born. Who would ever have guessed that the center of everything, from the road back into eternity, to the folding up of everything into the future, would all be placed in a little bundle of life that couldn't speak. He was placed in a manger. Very few people would ever have known the bundle of life. This was the savior of the world that's now birthed at the right place in Bethlehem, 
in the fullness of time, in the line of David, where all the promises of the ancient prophets were fulfilled that day. He's arrived in Bethlehem. He's alive. He's arrived alive. But listen, folks, we can look back and we can thank God for that salvation, and we're going to visit four places on this journey, and the last of those is Jerusalem, where Jesus, the Son of God, dies on a cross, that we might live forever. But I tell you, today is about perspective. I want to show you that that three-year period is the most important period in the, in the world that we live in. It separates sheep and goats. It separates heaven and hell. It separates. This is the place where the Savior was born. And out of Bethlehem, a ruler has come. Let me ask you a question. Does Jesus rule today? Yes, there's no, it's not a catch. Jesus is Lord today. But it doesn't always feel like it, does it? It doesn't feel like it when you stood at the side of someone's bed and they're in agony and pain and you've prayed over and over again that they would be healed. It doesn't feel like it when stuff's up against you. But I'm here to say that if you follow the road forward, you will find that ultimately every promise, you see the kingdom of God has come in Jesus. The kingdom of God is coming every time a person becomes a Christian. The kingdom comes every, per every time a person is healed. The kingdom comes. But ladies and gentlemen, the king is, kingdom is yet to come in all of its fullness. When the full thing arrives, every tear will be wiped away. No sickness. Heaven is filled with joy and life. And ultimately, Jesus will reign forever. You see, Luke 2 verse 7 says this. She, that's Mary, this humble peasant girl. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. That's such a dramatic thing. Let's put this little picture that Cliff's done up, could we? Cliff's done some wonderful pictures. Actually, the, there's, there's one of the mangers. That, that's, well, we'll look at these as we go through the whole of the Royal Road. Thank you, Cliff, for bringing these. The, you see, sometimes, sometimes you can say it, but for many people, you've got to see it. Uh, we need every, we, we need voices to declare it. We need artists to paint it. We need musicians to declare it. And perhaps I could render Handel's Messiah to conclude, yeah? Which is this, and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Praise God. Whoopee. I tell you, this stuff, this stuff is so, so very wonderful. So wonderful. We're on holy ground. You see, on that day, angels and shepherds, heaven met earth. I don't know if you know this, every time we gather and worship God together, there's a portal into heaven every time we do it. This isn't just a little gathering. 
This is the church of Jesus Christ. Where every time we gather and we honor Jesus, who is the King of Kings, he's the Lord of Lords right now. And there's a portal to heaven that says, whatever we can pray for, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It can happen today. God bless you. And we're going to pray a prayer. And if you're not a Christian, you jolly well ought to be. So let's put the prayer up. And we're going to just uh, speak this prayer out uh, for anyone that needs to find Christ. Let's say it together, shall we? Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit because of what happened that day in Bethlehem and culminating in the cross of Jesus Christ, dying on the cross as our Savior. This prayer becomes possible for every one of us. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time and invited Jesus into your life and heart as your Savior, I want you to do something just brave as every head is bowed. If you're saying, I need Jesus today, I need to trust him. I understand a little bit more of this great plan of God to save me and to grant me the gift of eternal life. If you've prayed that prayer, I wonder if you'd just slip up your hand and we'll get a booklet to you that'll help you on your journey. Just place your hand in the air. Sometimes your heart beats a bit faster. You're thinking, I need to do this today. It's not just an emotional response. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. Some may need to just return to God. You've drifted from the faith. You really can do that today. It's one more time of asking. You've prayed the prayer for the first time and you're saying, I want to trust Jesus. Just slip your hand up. We'll get a booklet to you. God bless you all. Thank you so much for listening. We'll just conclude with a final prayer.